NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to First Strike right here on Visa. I'm your host, Dave Ross. For the next hour, we're going to break down everything for fight night between Walker and Hill. UFC fight night at Apex right here in Las Vegas. That, of course, is tomorrow night, February 19th here in Las Vegas. Going to have Nick Leakes in just a second right here in studio. Lou Fittichero will join us, as will Jordan Sherwood and Reed Kuhn for the next hour as we try to find you value in this fight night card before you place those all-important wagers. Now, the man that sets the lines right behind me here at Circus Sportsbook, of course, is the man sitting next to me now, Nick Kalikas. And you can follow him on Twitter, as I do, at Fight Odds. Of course, does a great show on ESPN as well that we'll get to in a second. But, Nick, great to have you back. Obviously, we've had to switch around these cards a little bit here. We've had some visa issues, so the main event is not the main event we thought it would be. But we go up to the light heavyweights here for Johnny Walker against Jamal Hill. Now, Hill is a solid favorite here, about minus 255. Johnny in the comeback, about plus 205. Big guys, 205ers here. Now they're going to be five rounds instead of three, which is what they're more accustomed to here. Does that change in any way your handicapping when these guys go from a three-round fight to a potential five-round fight? It does a little bit for sure because these guys haven't been testing those deep waters as often as you like to see them, you know, be in that situation. So it definitely affects whose cardio is going to be a little bit better, who's been kind of in those deeper waters, so to speak. So it does affect and impact the line, especially, obviously, the total as well. Yeah, no question about that right now at about a round and a half. We'll get to that in a second. But let's just talk about this at first blush when you look at this card. And look, I get it. And a lot of people are going to go, oh, well, hey, you still have some really good ways here and some value plays that you can make on any given UFC card. That's what we're about here at first strike. Now, when you look at Johnny Walker, he is um, he's interesting. Let's put it that way, right? Very exciting fighter. Uh, sometimes it feels like he's going to be the hunter or the hunted. He's going to get knocked out or sometimes get those knockouts. A very wild style here that we've seen from the 29-year-old here against Hill, who also can be very, very exciting in this octagon. It's a smaller cage at Apex. Bigger bodies, two of fivers coming, coming at each other. Do you feel like this is a recipe for somebody to go out relatively quickly. I think so. I mean, due to the lack of defense that they both have, I mean, if you look at Hill's submission defense at times, obviously that's where he's kind of a fish out of water or he has to continue to develop his game. The other side of it, Walker, it's his chin probably that it's kind of his worst attribute, right? The rest of it, offensively, these guys are very skilled, very talented finishers. And like you said, the smaller cage combining all that, it's not going to go very far. Uh, Nick, when you set this line initially, have you seen any movement come in on the underdog or has this kind of been heavy action so far for Hill? It hasn't really been heavy action either way, surprisingly. I, I just think this is another one of those spots where the line is decent and mm-hmm. it's a tough one to bet because a lot of people are expecting if Hill wins, it's probably by knockout. But Walker is live enough that that line's probably at a good spot, meaning that a lot of people are kind of hesitating to bet either way. So we're seeing parley action more so on the, on the favorite, of course, like you're used to seeing, but not anything significant as of yet. Here's what's interesting to me. Again, five-round fight now. And so you have the over-unders uh, juiced heavily to the over at minus 145 for just a round and a half. So they're expecting, hey, this thing is going to go at least, you would theoretically say, two rounds. But the under plus 115, you and I just talked about it. 
this could be a quick night. So I know that the, it's juice because of a five-round fight right. for a round and a half minus 145. Do you expect under money potentially to come in at any point? Right now, we are seeing more on the over, though. I think especially because it has shifted to a five-round fight, like you said. I, so a lot of people are thinking that it's going to be maybe be a slower pace than it was because at a three-round fight, you could kind of let it all go a little bit faster, right? In a five-round fight, you typically see people kind of starting off a little bit slower because they want to pace themselves. So I think the early money on the over is justified because of that reasoning, but we will see people thinking about the finish, and I, I think we'll see a lot of public action coming on the under. Nick, when you look at the, the, the odds for the fight to go to the distance, plus 300. Normally, people would salivate at that, right? Five right. Oh, my goodness. This guy's even. I mean, it's going to be hard pressed to get money to come in that this fight's going to go all five, right? Yeah. In fact, we'll probably get, again, parlays and action just laying the straight chalk the other way. I mean, because that line's a little short, not going the distance. Five rounds a long time to go. And we just discussed, I think it might hit over one and a half, possibly, which mm. is kind of still a head scratcher. But outside of that, I don't think it's going five rounds. So I think we will see some chalk being laid on the under, actually. You know, it's interesting, too, when you look at this, the subs here 16 to one for either fighter. Right. Right. They're just expecting this thing's either going to get played out on the hands here. A decision victory, big odds for either guy. Plus 800 for Johnny is the underdog. And obviously for Jamal Hill, plus 550 here. So people are expecting this fight, if you go by script here, to end relatively quickly, maybe over the one and a half. Right. And probably more often than not by KO, TK, or DQ. Is that what you're seeing so yeah, far? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, both these guys are finishers, more likely by KO. But if anybody has a shot at a submission, I think it's with the Walker side. He's continually improving that ground game a little Ooh. bit. He's going to be the one, I think, looking to wrestle out of the two a little bit more. So I think he's got a slight advantage as far as the submission game goes. But again, both these guys are knockout artists. That's exactly what they do. Okay, it'll be very interesting to see how that fight plays out and where the money comes in here in the next 24 hours. Uh, let's get to the to the co-main event here. It is a catchweight bout here. Kyle Dawkins here, a big favorite over Jamie Pickett. And I wonder when you get these catchweights, sometimes they go, well, man, you got a, a light heavyweight against the heavyweight here, but we're going to go ahead and put them together here. And you see Dawkins here about 193 and Pickett at 194. So uh, not even up to the light heavyweight uh, standards here uh, at this right in between middleweight and light heavyweight. When you see these fights made, these catchweights, is it harder to handicap for you to put a line out on them because we don't really know what these guys are going to look like at this weight? I mean, obviously, the person that's coming on a short notice is going to impact him, and there's more question marks around that side. So in this particular situation, it's a picket side you're a little bit more concerned with. But again, he was in the octagon not long ago. I think he's always game. So not really because I think a lot of people aren't going to factor that into the betting equation when they're actually betting their money, right, in this yeah. spot, especially between these two guys. So yeah. I don't think it's going to impact too much. Any uh, money coming in on Pickett coming in on the short notice, or is it right now been Dawkins? It's been Dawkins. Dawkins is the more popular fighter. I mean, Pickett's been fighting, as of late, a lot better. I think he's improving. He's going to be a tougher test than most people anticipate against Dawkins. But Dawkins is the higher caliber fighter across the board. I think people realize that. I mean, it's his fight to win or lose. And again, he's not the one coming in on short notice. So the money has been coming in on the Dawkins side. And Nick, as you can see here, it's reflected that people do think right now, at least the betting public, that it's going to go over two and a half rounds. That's why it's juiced heavily to minus 160. The under on the comeback is plus 130. The fight to go the distance here, minus 135. So unlike the main event, I think people are expecting this one potentially to be a three-round fight here at UFC Apex. Yeah, they are definitely. Because, again, Pickett, I think, has showed us that improvement in his toughness. His conditioning is getting better. His ground game is getting better as well. So I think Dawkins is the one that people expect to finish more so than not, right? But I think Pickett's earned the respect of the betters out there thinking he can survive. But I think if you're seeing plus money on the finish, on the under, that's a little bit intriguing here. And people are not expecting, even though Dawkins is the big favorite, not expecting to get it done with the hands and possibly get it done by sub, which would be plus 240. So, again, if you're trying to look for a way that, to not weigh the bigger number, again, decisions plus 130. So, right. if you can get a finish inside the three, 
Maybe you look for the sub, uh, but if not, by decision, plus 130, that way you turn a big negative and a minus into a positive with a small comeback at a plus 130, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be dangerous, though, because, again, Dawkins' ground game, you're seeing the submission prop favored as far as the finish goes because his ground game is so smooth offensively. He's so good. He gets around your neck. I mean, there's not a lot of people that can survive against his offense right on the ground. So I think that's where the tricky part is, though. But you're right. If you're not going to lay the chalk straight because it is approaching that minus 300 line, then probably by decision at plus 130 or by the finish. If you think it's going to be a finish, hit that plus 240. Okay, and again, the fight that goes the distance here would be minus 135. And again, if you think Dawkins is going to win by decision, that's plus 165 for the big challenger here for uh, Pickett coming in on short notice. If you can win by decision, plus 550. So long odds there indeed. Let's go back up to the heavyweights. You got Parker Porter coming in here. Young, interesting prospect that we've seen so far in the UFC. Laying a big number here at minus 280. So again, big boys fighting in the uh, main event and certainly here in the third fight of the night. Are you seeing any money come in on the challenger here? Has it pretty much been for Porter here at 12 and six so far in his UFC career? Pretty much for Porter here in this spot. I think he's looked a little bit more impressive, obviously in his UFC career, a little bit more upside there for sure. But at this price, people are throwing him in parlays more so than laying it straight. This is not an attractive fight at the betting window either way. I don't think we're going to get a significant amount of action. I think this is just one of those spots where people are expecting, hopefully a a fun finish, right? Because both these guys have knockout power and they both are susceptible to getting finished the other way as well. I always love to say prospects, with guys 36 and 34, but relatively for their UFC <laughs> careers. Yeah. Right, this is their their big time to shine here. Look, Jim Miller, everybody loves to watch Jim Miller fight. Here he is going back out there uh, in his advancing age here. Plus 150 here against uh, Nicholas uh, Mata, minus 170. You can understand why these days you're seeing Jim Miller priced as an underdog. But I wonder, general public that really maybe not getting into the weeds too much of the guy, they go, Jim Miller, oh, I know him, I like him. I'm going to pull for him. Is that why maybe it's not even as big an underdog as you might expect? Well, I, I know some sharp opinion that do like the dog side in Miller because, I mean, he's just so battle-tested throughout his UFC career, and he still shows that he has enough left in the tank to get some wins here and there, especially with the submission offense. You're talking about a slick submission game. Jim Miller is one of the best all-time greats, I think, as far as offensive finishing ability on the UFC roster. So, And he's been around for so long. He's faced everything there is to face. So as a dog, he is kind of an attractive price, I think, for most betters out there, like you said, from the public and from some sharps because, again, he's kind of had that pedigree. He's been tested. Mode, on the other hand, is a little bit more question mark, I think. Right. So, again, you look at the age difference here, nine years in age difference there. I wonder if you're going to see a lot of people bet this for the three-round, possibly a fight to go the, the decision because we know how tough Miller is. And as a, a small dog in this one, possibly do you think that could be a fight script here that they go, all right, when we look at it by decision, if it's going to go there, plus 140, that this is going to go all three rounds. And if you think Miller can get that decision, plus 550, again, for uh, Moda here, plus 240, there, if you think he, the younger fighter can get that win by decision. Do you think that's going to be the, the way the betting public comes in? Uh, possibly. Again, this is going to be one I think we'll have split action on both sides because I think, again, the finishing intrigue from the Moda side because Jim Miller is kind of an older veteran at this point. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of intriguing for most people thinking maybe this guy is on the rise. He's a hot prospect. He's going to be the one possibly finishing Miller. So I think we're going to see a lot of people thinking either way these guys can finish. But again, there's going to be that support. Like you said, a lot of people thinking it's going to be steady. Miller's not going to be finished and it's going to go. All right. Uh, you UFC on the line and of course, on ESPN. Uh, Nick, tell us a little bit about this week's show and now uh, what we can expect when we people watch. We don't have an episode available for this week, okay. but we do do most of them. We do, like I said, fight nights that are a little bit of the higher caliber fight nights, right. a little bit more hype, and of course, the pay-per-view card. So tune in for the next pay-per-view. We will have a show, and it's going to be myself, Yanni the Greek, and Brendan Fitzgerald. We break down 
all the latest bets, prop bets, where the line movements are. It's a great show. So and it. Nick, very quickly, got about 30 seconds to go here. What fight maybe on the prelims or maybe even the Buckley Al Hassan fight that really kept, catches your attention here in a deeper card? I think Onama versus Benitez more so than anything else because there's been a lot of sharp opinion coming out of both guys and, and a lot of contradicting opinions out there, I think, on the internet as well with social media. So that fight, I think, is going to be an eye opener and it should be pretty exciting because you got two guys in the featherweight division. Now, I know that Benitez missed weight by a few pounds here, but he's going to be game. He's going to be ready to fight. But that's one that has my attention because there's been so much action coming into that fight and so much kind of response. We're going to go really good response on it. Nick Lakers at Fight Odds. Thanks for the time. As always, Lou Finicaro next right here in First Strike on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. DraftKings is giving you plenty of ways to bet on the UFC. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and you are able to bet on more ways than just the main event. DraftKings has great odds on fight lines, total rounds, and futures for MMA events. Eligible restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for terms and conditions. Dave Ross back here on First Strike right here on VEASAN. And I always love having Lou Finicaro join us right now each and every week as we break down this fight card here at UFC Apex between Walker and Hill. And you can follow him on Twitter as I do, at GamLou. And, of course, you got to check out the Bout Business Podcast. It's always a great listen. Uh, Lou, obviously, this card has been changed around a lot here as we get ready for this fight night uh, between uh, Jamal Hill and Johnny Walker, before we get to that main event, I do want to get to some of your best bets because I know you feel very strongly about uh, Gabriel Benitez, who missed weight against David Onama here. What is your big take on this fight? Well, uh, you know, first of all, Dave, it's great to be on with you guys. This is a great show. gives great perspective, and it's, it's great to get all those varying perspectives. As far as this fight's concerned, um, Benitez has in the past struggled making 145. And we see these guys cutting so much weight to try and get themselves advantage. Uh, Benitez in this fight will be the older man, but with that comes a vast amount of experience and he's been in the cage with better. This is Onama's second UFC fight. However, in his first, 
he went, he's a featherweight fighter. He went up to 55 in short notice to fight a guy named Mason Jones, who's a Welsh fighter and a absolute future top 10 in the division, and that's lightweight. And he fought him really close to a very tight decision. In that loss, I learned a lot about Onama's heart, his conditioning, and the fact that while he's relatively singularly dimensioned, meaning he's primarily a striker, doesn't have a lot of wrestling chops, uh, Mowgli, which is Gabriel Benitez's nickname, he's not going to test the wrestling. This can be a stand-up war, and I think the youth, the speed, the size, and the length of Onama are going to show well. So, Lou, do you think because of the missed weight here that being bigger uh, in this in a stand-up battle where Nama can really use his speed to his advantage, that will actually be a detriment to Benitez? Because as you said, he's not going to use the weight advantage on the ground. So as long as it stays standing, Onama at minus 150, you like that play? I love that play. I think it's mispriced. Listen, uh, Benitez, the extra weight for Benitez is advantage uh, simply because he doesn't have to toil to make it legal. Uh, the other side to that is, uh, why did he miss? Well, he's missed before, and it could be an injury or the likes. However, Onama, short notice against a killer at 155, if that didn't scare him, Mowgli, two pounds over at 145, a, a durable fighter, but not a quick, flashy Fresh fighter is not going to scare Onama. I also would tell you that I do believe that Benitez is durable enough that the over comes into play. And because it's priced minus 170 or so, um, I prefer the fight to start round three, even money. Uh, that's a real great way uh, to also maybe recoup a couple extra bucks on uh, a total if you can find that prop. Fight starts round three, even money. Yeah, Lou, I think that is excellent advice. And again, shop around, make sure you can get those good props. Because to Lou's point, if you don't like the juice at minus 170 for the over of a round and a half, if you can find that prop to start round three at even money, I, I'm really picking up what you're putting down there. And it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, let's go to uh, Abdul Alhassan against uh, Joaquin Buckley here. Buckley minus 165, Alhassan plus 145. What do you make of this one? Could be a sneaky, really good fight in the main card. Oh, it really should be uh, a war. Uh, both these guys, similar size. They're short, compact, powerful strikers. A uh, real difference here is Buckley's 26, Al-Hassan's 36. So in that 10 years, is it possible to think that Buckley's maybe a little quicker, faster? I, I do believe that the is the case. Uh, on the Al-Hassan side, I, I often... Uh, really raise an eyebrow when fighters change a gym. But in this case, going from Texas to team elevation with his buddy Kamaru Usman, training under Trevor Whitman, I think is going to present an impatient fighter, fully powerful and explosive like Al-Hassan, with a little bit of pace. And with that, the older, more mature man, I think, and he's a little more desperate man, I think he's in great position against a guy here on the opposite side, who either KOs his opponent or gets KO'd <laughs> by his opponent. So for that reason, Al-Hassan over Buckley, I would go a half a unit on Hassan straight up, a half a unit by KO, TKO, 
And I also like this fight to start the third round, contrary to what everyone else is going, because most people think this is over quickly. I believe the pace instilled in Al-Hassan is going to get him, and he realizes he needs to take Buckley into second and third round. I believe this fight starts round three. That's a plus 160 proposition. Yeah, very good. And also right there, you see it evenly juiced at a round and a half here, minus 115, so you don't have to pay that big tax if you like the over like Lou does. So, again, I think you can find value there. And also, if it does start that third round, at that plus money. Very intriguing uh, prop scenarios there. I want to get your thoughts, Lou, on the catch weight because what I love about what you do and the way you handicap is you really do look at these weigh-ins a lot of times, like you mentioned already earlier uh, when we were talking about Benitez missing weight here and try to extract how that might play. In a catch weight bout here between Dawkins and Pickett, and they're going to be fighting right around 195 pounds, 194 for Dawkins uh, and, and for Pickett as well. Uh, what do you make of this? Because, again, this is a this isn't a weight class that we know because you know the middleweight's here, 185, and the light heavy's at 205. How does that factor into your handicap for these catchweight bouts? In this fight, it really doesn't simply because it was short notice and Dalkus steps in to save the fight. And so they know they're not going to make a buck 85. Pickett says, fine, that's easier for me at 195. <laughs> and so away they go. Uh, really... I handicapped this fight as just being a well-rounded fighter in Daukas with wrestling chops against a guy in Pickett that I really have questioned whether he should be in the UFC. He's singularly dimensioned in that he's a striker, but he's not a very good one. And I think this is extremely one-sided Daukas wiped the floor with Pickett kind of a fight. There it is, and that's why you see where he is priced as such at minus 290 for Kyle Dawkins to get that done. Let's go to the main event, Lou, uh, because obviously, look, Johnny Walker, I love to watch him fight. He's an exciting fighter. You could say the exact same thing about Jamal Hill uh, for an exciting fighter when you get in there. And we've talked about it in, in previous shows here. You get bigger guys here, 205 here at Light Heavy in a small octagon at UFC Apex, right? It's almost like they're going to force feed. Not that they need to, to get more action between these two f- fighters. What do you expect to see in this main event? Uh, This is a fight that really intrigues me uh, because I think that when I get done speaking here, you and the listeners will be as confused about this fight as I am. Uh, Johnny Walker has tremendous advantage in this fight uh, metrically. Two inches taller, has two two, three inches of reach advantage, and this is going to be a standing fight. And in stand-up fights, those are really excellent advantages to have. He's lost some. He's been very uneven in his performances, and he's chinny. However, he's very explosive, and I think his move to go to Ireland, those those trainers in Ireland are going to deprogram him from his time spent with uh, Zahabi up in Canada, where they tried to make him a wrestler and he came out against Thiago Santos, all slow and premeditated. I think that stripped away who he is. I think we're going to see Johnny Walker come back and kind of be a flashy, flamboyant striker, and Hill's going to acquiesce him by going right to the middle of the cage and throwing down. I do believe Hill should be the favorite here, but the price is completely out of whack, and I'm very hesitant to back Hill at that kind of a favorite. That said, I'm I'm a little bit hesitant with Walker based on his chin and his past performances. 
I could see me maybe waiting until tomorrow when we get closer to fight time and taking a long stab on a down, out, and down, uh, maybe Walker via KO, which is five or 600, just for milk money or something. But this is a fight I'm going to learn from, and I don't know that I have a strong opinion on on any of it. I got to tell you, my mother loves watching the show, and she loves to hear you talk. And I'm going to just answer mom's question now. Do you want to explain Chinny for the for the new viewers out there? Yes, I'm sorry. Chinny means that you have a tendency to get hit in the face and your lights go out, you get knocked out. So that's that's not a compliment no. to either Pickett or to Johnny Walker. No, Mom, and I'm Chinny too, so I, I'm right there with you. Hey, Lou, always appreciate the we time. <laughs> appreciate the time and the information. Follow him at Gamblu and check out the Bout Business Podcast. Much more to get to. When we come back, Jordan Sherwood's going to join us from Chicago as we break down UFC fight night right here. It is First Strike on Visa the Sports Betting Network. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We continue first strike right here on Visa UFC Fight Night Walker vs. Hill right here UFC Apex in Las Vegas Saturday night tomorrow night February nineteenth. Always a pleasure to have Jordan Sherwood join the program from ESPN in Chicago. You can follow him on Twitter as I do at Wood on ten sixty three. Jordan, great to catch up with you. Look, this fight card has been jostled all over the place. We got a new main event here in a five rounder between Hill and Walker. And maybe not the fight card that everybody expected, but still a decent one and a way to make some money. So let's try to do that for the people out there. And let's start off with a different heavyweight bout here. It's the third bout uh, on the main card on this evening. It'll be Parker Porter at minus 280 against Alan Badat at plus 225. And these battle of big heavies, do you like the dog or do you like the big favorite here? I like the big favorite, and I think it's going to happen in convincing fashion. Look, you know, Parker Porter is big. He's very big. He's six foot. He's 260 pounds, but he's actually very agile. He's very athletic and he carries some strong cardio for a three round heavyweight fight. So uh, I like him in, in all skill sets and, and it has to do with him and how he's performed his last two times in the octagon, both unanimous decision victories. So I hold that to account. And then when you look at uh, Badeau, you know, look, it's a guy that normally fights light heavyweight. Uh, didn't look good on a short notice heavyweight fight. And who's going to do that against 
uh, Chris Dawkins. But then, you know, his, his follow-up fight also gets stopped, but it's obviously now a no contest because you know, Mento, Mento got, you know, uh, I think he was uh, caught for PEDs or some marijuana. Mm-hmm. Whatever the case may be, he's 0-2 in the UFC. So uh, I, I think Parker Porter is just better everywhere. I, I just think if fight is standing, then he's going to just be precise and just, you know, be a tactician and, and land a better strikes and push a good pace. If this fight goes to the ground, like, I, I don't see Badeau getting up. I, I just think Parker Porter is just too massive a guy uh, on top of you. Uh, for, uh, you know, Boudot to, to be able to handle that. So, albeit, you know, sometimes people like the underdog in, in a heavyweight fight that's not uh, featuring top 15 fighters. I don't think that's the case with this one. I think Parker Porter should be the heavy favorite. Uh, 260, 275, probably too much, Dave, to, to, to lay down. So, I, I think you look for a finish. Even though, again, as I just mentioned, Porter has two unanimous decision victories his last two times out. Boudot's a guy that gets finished. And I think Parker Porter could hunt for the finish and get one Tomorrow night. And Jordan, I think it's excellent handicapping because, again, to win by finish here could be the sub, which would be plus 650, KO, TKO, or DQ, plus 140. Hey, just take the finish. And that way you narrow and you get rid of that that uh, minus number in front of his name, the big one, and get the plus money at plus 110 if Porter can do exactly what Jordan says. And uh, with the way about Ode normally does like to get finished, Porter could do that and then get plus money at plus 110. Let's go to Gabriel Benitez. Of course, he missed weight. A uh, small underdog here, plus 130 against David Onama. The missing weight, how does that affect your handicap here, or does it? Well, it, it really doesn't. I, I was on David Onama anyways to begin this. I was extremely impressed with his UFC debut. It came on three days' notice. Uh, it came up in weight class uh, to the one that he's going to compete in uh, tomorrow night. And, and he went three rounds with a guy that the, the UFC is extremely high on and, and a top-tier prospect for many years to come. So Onama, what's his background? It's in the stand-up. He's got a long reach. And Gabriel Benitez is also a guy that likes to utilize his stand-up. He likes to utilize leg kicks and, and, and try and work those. And albeit he's been in there with a better resume of fighters. I mean, he's been in there and been in the UFC uh, for quite some time. But he's a little bit now longer in the tooth. Uh, Onama's a guy that, again, looked extremely impressive in his UFC debut. And they're high on him. And he's, and he's the favorite. You know, he's the favorite in his second UFC fight against a grizzled veteran, kind of similar to what we're going to maybe talk about with the Jim Miller fight. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think Onama should be the clear favorite. I think he's got the uh, decisive advantage. And and I wouldn't be surprised if we do see a finish in this fight because either Benitez is going to, you know, hammer those leg kicks and it's going to cause some issues for Onama. Or what I think is going to happen is Onama is going to overwhelm Benitez and, and get the finish at, at some point in this fight because we've seen Benitez get finished before via strike. Well, let's talk about Jim Miller here because he is a fan favorite, and we obviously know there's about a nine-year age, a nine age difference between he and Nicholas Moda in this one. Uh, minus 170 here for the fave. Miller here is the underdog at plus 150. Uh, you look, everybody, sometimes you, you, my dad always taught me, never bet with your heart, bet with your head. Is it smart money yeah. to bet on Jim Miller uh, instead of just going at the heartstrings here? I, I mean, I think you got to find a, a, a unique way to do it. I think... Probably playing Jim Miller plus 150, uh, not worth it. I, I think, you know, he's likely, if he's going to get the win, I think he's going to get a quick submission victory. And I think I've seen that prop available in some places at plus 600. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you do that? And I, I look and I understand Jim Miller had a knockout his last time out. Um, but I feel like that was like kind of a flash knockout. He's more obviously a, a submission ace. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. But um, this is a tough fight. This is a tough fight for him. You got a guy that's coming in, making his UFC debut in, in, in Mata, uh, a guy that's favored against Jim Miller. And Jim Miller is four and three in his last seven fights. 
all, all of them, I believe, but one, which was the Roosevelt Roberts fight, uh, where he was the bigger dog, I think plus 260, plus 250, somewhere in that range. Uh, he cashed. Outside of that, he wins when he's the favorite and he loses when he's the underdog and he's the underdog tomorrow night. So uh, I, I'd love to see it. Look, I love, you know, he's, <laughs> he's a UFC first battle hall of famer, credence, curl out revival, walking out to the cage of that. I mean, who doesn't love that? But you know, like bottom line for me is, is like, can confidently feel like uh, he's going to get the win. But I'll, but I'll say this though. What do we know about Mata? Sure. Cage warriors, lightweight champion. That's a reputable regional promotion out of Europe. A lot of good time fighters come out of that uh, fight promotion. But he's facing Jim Miller. So uh, I'm not competent enough to even lay a dollar seventy-five, dollar eighty for on him. So I'm gonna take the under. I think a finish is gonna happen. Miller's either gonna get finished via strikes or uh, uh, Miller's going to get a submission. I think that would be the way to play that fight. Yeah, and again, if, if you like Miller uh, via uh, submission, to your point here, Jordan, plus 300, because I, I think you're right. Pathway okay. to victories, it's very odd that you would think that he'd win by decision. That's plus 550. That's why the number is so big. If you think Miller can put off the pull off the upset, and again, if he's going to pull off the upset, more than likely, exactly what Jordan Sherwood's telling you here, plus 300, that's the sub. That's probably the way if Jim Miller is going to pull off the upset even better money than the plus 150 that he is uh, as we get it pre-flop. A rose by any other name is still Jessica Rose Clark. She is the favorite against Stephanie Egger here. Egger plus 150. Uh, JRC here minus 170. What do you make of this matchup here at 135 pounds? I think you bet it live. I, I think you look to see who dictates the pace and who dictates the fight early. And I know that's a risk, but I, but I think Jessica Rose Clark, you know, she's a grinder. Uh, she's a veteran. Uh, she could overwhelm Edgar in this fight, especially if she gets a fight to the ground, because we've seen Edgar really struggle in that mm -hmm. uh, discipline, being able to get off off of her feet. But if Edgar's able to utilize her judo background, put this fight against the cage, get some quick takedowns, but keep the fight standing, uh, Jessica Rose Clark could be in for a world of hurt. Uh, I pr I'm probably going to side with Jessica Rose Clark just because of uh, you know her savviness, the veteranship, and uh, the way that she's been able to handle fighters like Edgar before and, and keep the fight on the ground. But I can't confidently say it won't be one of my top plays uh, of, uh, you know, the the night and in particular the women's mixed martial arts probably play the over. Uh, and I haven't even looked at it. Why worth it? Because I don't think either fighters <laughs> going to finish each other. So uh, I mean, that would be my suggestion. And, and just real quick, going back, I wanted to make sure we, we pointed this out regarding Jim Miller, because mm -hmm. it is an interesting stat. You were just mentioning likely he's going to get that submission of his 23 wins, 18 via submission. There so, you again, you know, that, that that's another reason why, uh, you know, to, to, to look at Jim Miller in that fight. And yeah, Jessica Rose Park, probably the play for me but I'm going to wait to see how that fight's played out in the first round. Yeah, if that fight does go over two and a half rounds, uh, right now juiced heavily to the over at minus 170. Uh, you know, you and I, uh, we saw it on social media, Jordan, it made us both laugh, I think. We saw Joaquin Buckley, not so much the fight, but it's who's going to be in his corner against Abdul uh, Alhassan here. And so you got Buckley here, minus 165, Alhassan plus 145. Is that a charade for those that don't know what I'm talking about here? Is the guy you might see in the social media where he's kind of showing you all these ways that you can, uh, I think a former D D Detroit cop, but very popular videos online. He's going to be in the corner of Buckley. Does that factor in your handicapping at all, Jordan? <laughs> no, that's like, that's like me saying I like, I favored Anderson Silva to win all his fights because Steven Seagal was in his corner. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's just not a factor at all. No. Like, I mean, look, I, 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 but I'll, I'll applaud Joaquin Buckley for doing it because not that like he wasn't a viral sensation enough with his, you know, spinning oh back kick knockout of Impact Tangana, but like he wins and he's known as the guy that's got that dude in his corner. Like he's going to be asked to, you know, fight bigger fights and, and grow a bigger popularity. 
this is a great fight to open up the main card. It I is. mean, two guys that are knockout artists. Um, I, I'm very interested interested to see now fight number three for Al Hassan uh, at middleweight. Uh, he looked like a terror on the feet at welterweight. Then he ran into some off the field issues, got knocked out a couple of times, made his UFC debut at middleweight. Didn't look good against Jacob Malkoon, a guy that we recommended last week to get the win uh, at UFC 271, and he did. Uh, and then in his second fight at middleweight. 17 second KO. Uh, this is a guy that finishes guys in the first round, 11 wins, all of them in the first round via KO. Joaquin Buckley's a guy with 10 finishes. So I think, you know, I, I, I think, I think Al Hassan might've righted the ship. I really do believe that at 185, he looks good at the scale uh, on Friday afternoon. So maybe a small recommendation on, on looking at the dog in that fight because Joaquin Buckley has been knocked out before. I only got about 10 seconds. I'm sorry. Main event. You taking Walker, or you taking Hill. I won't be drinking Johnny Walker during the main event. I'll say that. I'm picking up what you're putting down. A different There's bourbon. Jordan Sherwood, check him out on Twitter as I do at Woodon1063. Come on back at his first strike right here in Visa with Reed Kuhn right after a short break. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Compete for free with the Modelo Golden Ticket Challenge. Join three UFC contests to fight for your share of $20,000 in total cash and prizes. Plus, find out if you walk away with the Modelo Golden Ticket and claim four seats to every pay-per-view fight for an entire year. Head to DraftKings.com slash Modelo now to get in on all the action. Modelo, the official beer partner of the UFC. No purchase necessary. Must be 21 or older. Terms, conditions, eligibility, and rules are at DraftKings.com. Please drink responsibly. Dave Ross back here on First Strike because we break down the main event at UFC Fight Night between Walker and Hill right here at UFC Apex in Las Vegas. You know him, you love him. I do anyway. Reed Kuhn, Fightnomics. You can follow him on Twitter as I do at that very handle. Reed, always great to have you on the program and break fights down from the analytics side that you see and your models because we've got a split opinion from some of our experts so far here on the show when we get to the main event between Johnny Walker, a big dog here, about plus 205 against Jamal Hill at minus 255. 
look, these guys are both very exciting fighters here uh, at 205 pounds. When you run the numbers, what are the models showing you, sir? Yeah, it's going to be an exciting fight, I think. Uh, We have two guys who have never even attempted a single takedown in their entire UFC career. That's kind of bonkers. Um, But So we should see a stand-up striking duel, right? But very different styles. So Hill comes out as a very high-pace striker. Johnny Walker comes out as a more reserved striker, but when he does engage, like he's going kind of nuts. He has a spinning back fist knockout, flying stuff. Um, and what's interesting is almost 40% of Johnny Walker's strikes are at the legs. Um, that is abnormally high. That's about four times the rate of, of the usual mix of strikes. So he is attacking people's legs a lot. Uh, that is interesting to me. So when this is at a distance, uh, Johnny Walker is going to be the bigger guy, taller, rangier. And I'm not sure if Hill really has a lot of experience facing people who are bigger than he is because he's usually the rangy one. Mm-hmm. So this actually does look like some upset potential here. Uh, I, I don't know what happens if it does somehow end up on the ground in a scramble. Uh, at least Walker has a little bit more experience there. Uh, so this is interesting to me. At plus 200, I'm seeing value on the underdog. Uh, and if you if you have noticed over my shoulder, <laughs> I do have a tradition. When Johnny Walker wins, there's some blue label waiting to be opened. Uh, so I'm hoping he gives me a reason tomorrow. I, I think that's a great tradition. I'm sure Johnny Walker would approve of that message. Uh, you know, it is interesting, obviously, because this was not slated to be the main event. But now that it is the main event, potentially a five-round fight. Does that change the handicapping at all with the fighters knowing, hey, three-round fight, we know we're going to go for broke here and maybe we'll really let that leather fly early. Now in a five-round fight, do you think it changes their minds? And I wonder if that's hard to handicap that, at least uh, from from the models, that they might anticipate a longer night because they have more time, quite frankly, to try to take each other out. Yeah, I'm not factoring it directly into the models at this point, um, but when I do look at the numbers, I'm looking at Hill's very high pace and he has a high mix of power. So I look at what percentage of strikes are jabs versus power strikes, and he's, he's a heavy hitter. He swings big, and that could tire you out, especially at light heavyweight. And especially because he's doing so much striking, he likes to dictate the pace. And so that could mean fatigue in the later rounds if it gets there. Um, but, you know, that, that's, a, that's speculation. That's if it gets there. Uh, mm-hmm. But yet another reason why I think there's some potential in Walker here. And again, your models have started to account uh, much more than just the sides here as we get to the totals. And right now, again, five-round fight here, people. The over is juice, but it's only a round and a half at minus 145. So plus money right now if you think it's going to be a quick night. Uh, How are the models showing that when you look at at the uh, total rounds here? Is there anything that might indicate that maybe that over, even though at minus 145, that we might see a second round in this fight? Yeah, that's a tight round total. You don't always see 1.5, and I would probably lean the over here. Uh, This is actually at a weight class that I don't normally look at for the totals. Heavyweights and light heavyweights tend to be different animals than the rest of the other weight classes when it comes to finishes. Um, But elsewhere on this card, I will say, I know you're you're calling me out, and our totals model has been profitable this year, Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't have them yet. I don't have those picks yet. And because you asked, I, I promise I will actually tweet those out later tonight. That's awesome. But, yeah, again, you're new, new with that. But so far, the models 
have been very predictive in exactly why you have the models read and done a great job with them so far. Okay, then I'm really I'm glad because the, the models can't affect, affect us here, uh, at least for the weight when we look at the catch weight bout between Kyle Dawkins and Jamie Pickett here. Dawkins, a big, big favorite here on a fight that Pickett's taking on very short notice. Uh, what have you been able to gauge numbers-wise when you look at the, the history of these two guys to try to predict the outcome here? Yeah, first of all, I, I think I looked at the odds maybe earlier in the week before they moved and was grabbing Dawkus at like minus 190. Ooh. And then I look back and he's soared up to like close to minus 300. Uh, so I love that early number. I have to I have to rerun the model because of the odds movement. Uh, but we still like him. Still like him here. Uh, but obviously, it's the ground game that's going to be the difference. He has a pretty dominant ground game. He's going after takedowns at more than twice the usual pace. He controls people. He's spending over a minute of every round controlling someone on the ground. Uh, so assuming he gets that takedown, and then I look over at Jamie Pickett's takedown defense, 57%, you know, that's mediocre. It's about average. So if you're an average takedown defense kind of guy facing someone who's coming after you, really wanting to get the fight down, that doesn't look good for uh, the striker in this case. So, um, yeah, I like Dawkins here. I think he's going to use the ground game, and I'm hoping that he, maybe he gets a submission. I, so I see some finishing potential here, uh, and it's, but it's likely going to come in the form of a submission. And there it is. And, again, I, I know a lot of people here that go, man, minus 290, I don't want to lay, lay that big number. I think, Reed, to your point here, if you do like him via sub, and he is such, such a good uh, boy, his, if the takedown defense is not great by Pickett, we know what Dawkins can do on the ground. Plus 240, all of a sudden you turn that minus 290 in a plus 240 read. There could be some real value in kind of flipping that script, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I like uh, I like going from steep minus odds to plus money. <laughs> um, that's quite a swing. And really, if when you look at someone who's a heavy favorite uh, and the numbers are coming out and supporting that and still seeing value even above and beyond that line, that tells me, okay, if, if I take at a given that he's going to win, how's it going to happen? What's the scenario? And then I look at the ground stats. I look at Pickett's history. I think he has been submitted, if I remember correctly. Um, so Dawkins, uh, he's got a variety of submissions, uh, likes the chokes. Uh, so all that adds up to nice potential. So it's almost like a little decision tree. You mm -hmm. think, well, he's probably going to get it to the ground. He's probably going to win. How's it going to happen? Is he going to pin the guy for three rounds? Or is he going to find an opening at some point? And, um, you know, Jamie Pickett hasn't been in the UFC that long. Uh, and seasoned guys might have better defense when it comes to grappling guys who are relatively new you might as well test that see if there's an opening see if there's a submission there all right talking to reed coon again follow him on twitter as i do at fightnomics also has a book with the same title you should also get that as well joaquin buckley might have had the spinning back kick heard around the ufc last year one leg's held doesn't matter spins around midair, gets the knockout. It was absolutely spectacular. Now he's going to take on Abdul Alhassan here. We know we've got a book on Hassan for sure. Alhassan right now plus 145. Uh, we've got uh, Buckley at minus 165. What are the models showing between what could be a very exciting fight for a potential three-round matchup? Yeah, this is interesting. I mean, these guys are going to bang. They've got a lot of knockdowns cumulative between them. Uh, so a lot of power in the cage all at once. Um, but the numbers are leaning Buckley here as the favorite. And one interesting stat that I looked at is that Al Hassan has not won a fight that he's left the first round. <laughs> so he's either getting the early finish uh, or he's going to wilt, fade, whatever it is. Um, it would be new territory for him to be winning the fight in the second or third round. 
so I like Buckley as as long as he survives that early onslaught. <laughs> uh, Al Hassan clearly it wants to be the striker. He wants to be at range, but then Buckley does have a little bit of a range advantage. He's also a southpaw. Uh, he's also much younger. That's a you know trifecta on the traditional tail of the tape. Uh, but performance-wise, uh, punch for punch, I think Buckley actually comes out slightly higher. He doesn't have as many knockdowns. He doesn't have as many fights. Uh, but he does have the per-punch knockdown power uh, that is slightly higher. Now, both guys are really high. Obviously, we've got to acknowledge that. Uh, but Buckley is, uh, you know, he's no slouch with power either. It's The accuracy is a big differential here. Al-Hassan is much more accurate. He's probably the more gifted natural striker. Um, Buckley is kind of lower percentage. Both guys have average, maybe below average defense. Uh, so, you know, both these guys could get hit. Uh, so that's what, that's what makes us think this is probably not going three rounds is that both guys have power. Both guys have kind of relied on their chin to keep them going, but they get hit. So that's a, that's not a great combination for the judges to see it on the cards. No, but it should be a great combination for us to get an exciting fight. And I think everybody's looking forward to that one. Hey, Reed, really appreciate the time and the information. As always, my friend, enjoy the fights. Maybe get a little bit of that Johnny Walker blue at the end of the night. We'll catch up with you again next week. There he is, everybody. Reed Kud. want to thank Reed, of course, uh, Jordan Sherwood, Woof and Carroll for joining us, and, of course, Nick Kalikas right here in studio. Should be a great one. If you missed any of this, again, you can check it out right here at VEASAN. This is First Strike on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.